Welcome to Comics Quest, where we pave the road for those who want to get into comics but don't know where to start. I'm your host, JD, and dear listener, we have yet another returning guest. What? I know, it's insane. Uh, this week we have the one and only host of Men of Steel, Scruffy Nerf Herders, and another pass, Case Aiken. Hey, welcome back. Hey, JD, welcome, or thank you for having me. I almost said welcome, because I'm so used to being the host of my shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great to have you here, man. Yeah, no, thank you for having me back on, especially for, like, so last time I felt like, okay, well, this is my, my birthright of, of being a, a diehard Shazam slash Captain Marvel fan, um, and this mm-hmm. time you got to school me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, dear listeners, as you've probably known from know from the title of this episode, we are talking the comic Black Sad, uh, written by Juan Diaz Canales and illustrated by Juanjo Guarnido. I am so sorry if I'm butchering your name, uh, but it is uh, this is a really interesting one. So, uh, both uh, Guarnido and Guarnido and Diaz Canales are Spanish. Uh, but because their uh, their market was uh, the French comics album market, uh, they were re- originally published in French, and then a few months after the stories were published, they would be published in Spanish, and then years later were published in English and several other languages. So this comic uh, follows uh, a private detective named John Blacksad, uh, going on various, uh, taking on various cases, going on various adventures, and, uh, oh yeah, everyone is an anthropomorphic animal. So, John Blackset is a talking cat. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, my, like, my, uh, my elevator pitch for the series is, it is, uh, Cats Don't Dance meets, uh, The Black Dahlia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, that's, that's, that's it, that's the first story. So, uh, so, uh, listeners, this is an interesting uh, development in the show in that we're not talking about an American comic this time. We're talking about, uh, again, this is a, meant for a French market uh, by two Spanish artists. And uh, in France, they have they, they uh, have comics published in what are known as albums. And they're, you know, like usually about like 60 page uh, stories that are published in like oversized what we would consider oversized volumes and uh they have like several months in between each story so usually the art is a little bit more refined because uh the artist is able is able to uh have more time uh to develop their art and you it is very evident in these stories there's so far five we will only be talking about the first three though those were the first that were published in english and were actually collected the other two were collected later um but the three we'll be we'll be talking about are somewhere uh, i think it's somewhere within the shadows arctic nation and red soul so case this is your first time hearing about this comic i mentioned this comic to you i think the uh the first time we did an episode when we did my episode of another pass yeah you were you were just selling me on it as it being a good comic and i bought it in mm-hmm. the when we were talking on comiXology <laughs> and then i think the last time i was on this show uh you were talking about how you wanted to get a guess for it i'm like well i did i did buy it a few weeks ago like i guess i could actually yeah. read the comic um and so i finally read it this week 
and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Like it's um, it is an international story because, like you said, it, we've got the Spanish creative talent. It was published for a French market, but it's all set in the U.S. Like the first yeah. one, uh, I, the first one feels like L.A. I'm not sure if it actually is, but the later ones are like very explicitly. Like one of the stories later on is called Amarillo, which is Texas. Like there's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like it, it's very much American noir, uh, but through oh, yeah. that through so that. I, and lens. I actually wanted to, yeah, I wanted to ask you. So, like, your thoughts going into the comic while reading, while you're getting into it, and then your thoughts afterward. Uh, what were they? So, uh, going into it, my first thought was knowing knowing the genre, like knowing that it was like, and mm-hmm. also you can't yeah. you can't not know the genre on the first page, like of the first yeah. story because it is very very obviously like oh we're at a noir story right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking um, that this was going to be something akin to like a, um, a uh, Usagi Yojimbo, where we're going to do like a serious story, but with these sort of anthropomorphic characters, um, and that's going to be like kind of the hook on that one. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. apt description for the first one. Uh, I mean, really, all of them. Um, and it, you know, the characters start to get fleshed out as you build a supporting cast and learn more about them. Um, but it it very much is like. Yeah, the fact that they're drawn as animals has almost no bearing on the actual story, minus a few areas where they, like, talk about their sense of smell or a few things like that. It, like, very easily could just be people in the setting, uh, but it is so much more visually interesting to have animals. Um, And so going into it, I was like, all right, all right, this is going to be, it's going to be a a cop, but he's got a cat head. All right, I'm down. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Ooh, I like the painterly style. And then, uh, then I actually like read the first, uh, the first album, the first (laughs) chapter in the three parts. uh, And that was, that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, the way I, I look at it is like this could easily have been like each story could easily have been like a 75 80 minute movie produced in the 1940s from RKO or Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um or even I mean actually like the 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 page count sort of corroborates with um like really like a 50 minute TV show. Like you could see this being like an HBO show uh and really oh, kind absolutely. of nailing it. Um you know like it, Sixty-ish pages is long for for like an American comic, but like that's really that does still sort of like match up to being roughly like I said about a page a minute. Um, like if you remember back in the days of like uh, adaptations of like our cartoons, uh, such as like the when they did like the the X Men Adventures or the Superman Adventures, and it was like direct mm-hmm. adaptations of stories from the TV shows. It was usually like two issues yeah. was like one page or was uh, was one episode. So. Yeah. Uh, even so, in that it's actually almost like two, uh, almost like double per minute of like runtime. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like you could really see this being just like a beautiful cartoon because the art is so good. Like you, you sold it on the art, and like the second you get into like page one, you're like, oh, yep, I see it, and then you get to page two, and you're like, up, oh, it's confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to uh, you know the later stories, and you're like, oh, it, 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 so it gets better. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane, um, which you mentioned. You know, you want to see this as a cartoon. We'll we'll mention we'll talk about this later in the episode. How I have ideas for a movie. I would love to see this as a movie, uh, which I, I think I've mentioned to you before. How I would love to see an animated black sad movie. But there are things you. Ha- I think there are things you have to do if you want to make like a really good black sad movie. But we'll get to that later. 
Yeah. Because we have we have some stories to talk about. Uh, so I guess we'll start off um, with the first story somewhere within the shadows. Uh, so the setup for this story is John is uh, kind of on the like you know very dis- very discreetly uh, looking into the murder of a I'm gonna assume I believe yeah she's an actress um, Natalia Wilford uh, which automatically sounds like Natalie Wood mm-hmm. automatically uh, and she was murdered in her home and she also happens to be a former lover of John's and as he's digging into this case things start to be pointing higher and higher up as to who you know who murdered her and uh it, it it's a classic noir story yeah uh no, it, no it's very tropey like the the first story the hook isn't so much the plot like the mystery is there and it it keeps everything moving but it's more fun to just sort of like live in this world and like see the interactions mm-hmm. of characters um uh, they do the first issue or album has like some more interesting stuff with like animals having like thoughts about each other where it's like like you furry folks when like someone walks into it like a reptile bar and stuff like that yeah which they don't really have in the later ones they have a thing but it's it's a different thing in the later stuff mm-hmm. um and but so the the first album is just like man how how fun is this this take on a very classic noir thing like this is definitely like if you were just told like just spitball me a like a crime like a PI story, like you would, you would say something kind of like this, like the dame was dead and yeah, I had to like, like look into it. <laughs> yeah. And it turns took out me to the, the top. <laughs> yeah. And took me all the way to the top. And the reason I did was because, uh, I know a cop told me he couldn't look into it anymore. So he, you know, said he would cover for me, which is great. Yeah. And we get, and I love that. We're like, one of my favorite things about this world is, you know, as again, and I think I, I, um, I actually talked about this on um, Mutual Friend Maddie's podcast, Saturday Morning Confidential, when I talked about Steven Universe. One of the things I love is uh, world building, but not world building that everyone always thinks about. It, you know, everyone, when you say the word world building, we always think, oh, you know, like, you know, like, you know, Game of Thrones, where you have, you know, where you discover all these different places and, and the histories behind these all different places. Or you think of, you know, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and having, you know, all the, you know, different franchises pop up. No, that's a, that's a type of world building. But world building that I really love is when you are basically in one place or you're like in two or three places and you really develop each of those places over uh, you know over time and you have all these different characters and you develop them over time like in the second album uh arctic nation we're introduced to the character of weekly and he pops back up in red soul where we also are brought back to the police detective smirnoff who is introduced in the first story so i i that's like something i really love and and like each story builds upon the other where you know at the end of uh or like, like in the, in the third story, the reason why it's set in Las Vegas is because he is making good on a promise that was made in the previous story, and you know there's that uh, that one panel where uh, he's out to dinner with the guy he's working for, and on stage there is a Natalia Wilford uh, like lookalike contest, and he's like 
hiding away like I can't look at this mm-hmm. and I, I I love those like those little little details that you know you know it honestly doesn't take a lot of work to do that but it's really satisfying when they do happen yeah like this this isn't like a zootopia like this isn't a universe no. of talking animals like the the history that is in play is for the most part uh our history like they talk they make references to the war they make reference to the spanish-american war like uh, there's like timeline stuff there's like they have hitler at one point and it's like very clearly hitler but he's yeah. like uh, he's an animal he's a cat yeah, like, yeah. which um a lot of people have pointed out is most likely a a reference to, to mouse, mouse yeah. by Art Spiegelman. So, and then you also have um, Greenberg, who is ob- a bison, who is obviously an analog for Allen Ginsberg, work because he's reciting Howl out on the beach. Which, uh, by the way, um, if anyone listening to this ever plays Cards Against Humanity with me, I just want to let you know there is a card that uh, a- actually has like a passage from Howl, and if you play that. When I'm the card czar, you will win automatically, no matter what. Doesn't matter if the other if the other cards are funnier, that one automatically wins because I just love that card because it's Allen Ginsberg and I love Allen Ginsberg. Just telling people how to cheat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just play that card and you win. Yeah. So I guess when I when I say world building, what I mean is like the personal world building. It's not this high concept mm-hmm. macro world building where you have to explain like, well, the filtration systems work like this, and like, well, the like the history of the world because they like they happen to have orcs meant that like it wasn't just racial profiling against people of a different like ethnicity within one's own species. There was like different species. Like they don't do any of that. Like this is this is our yeah. history filtered. So we've got the 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 up close personal stuff like who are the celebrities of this world who are the the obvious analogs for stuff who are the relations who's the you know who's the police chief at the station that he happens to kind of sort of work at like what are those things and then there's like I said the filtering aspects where it's like all right so how like through the lens of this anthropomorphic world how do we see the actual history and the and the locations that we know about like like what do what do boxers look like oh yeah they're giant animals okay that makes sense yeah <laughs> they're like rhinoceroses and gorillas what do you know what, what do uh like you know movie stars look like oh they look like really just really pretty cats yeah or uh, politicians are all birds in this like it's yeah. just a thing that they do or you know or you know as we get into um arctic nation there's honestly unfortunately there's not a lot to talk about with somewhere within the shadows other than it's a very tropey story, but a very, very good tropey story. Yeah. Um, like with you have like the person who's on the top, who's very cold blooded is a lizard. Right. So there you go. And, and there's like no surprises in that. Again, it's, it's all the cliches of the genre that you expect. And mm-hmm. it's just sort of fun to exist in this world where we've got this like thick monologue going from, from your main character as he goes from like crime scene, then he gets beaten up and then he like spends a night in the drunk tank. And then he gets, you know, like goes and like almost gets killed, but he like turns the upper hand and he takes a nap next to a dead body. You know, like all this stuff that's like, yeah, yeah. I could see that for any detective in like a, anything before cell phones. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is like the thing that works about that initial story, there's a few things that are really going for it. Number one, of course, is, you know, having anthropomorphic, having animals as all the characters, you know, that of course makes it much more interesting, uh, visually. Um, I think second is also just the art in general is just 
fantastic to look at no matter what uh another reason you know the writing itself is just really top notch it just sounds like it it, honestly it kind of reminds me of like you know all of those great you know detective writers like you know dashiell hammett and james kane and raymond chandler all those writers who just you know took those these these tropey genres that they were working within and they were also kind of even creating the tropes for but they elevated them with the with the writing with the style of writing that they that they exhibited and another thing i uh i really love is the um using the comics uh you know medium to its full advantage and uh like how action scenes you know, play out like the you know like the first one being like the um the you know when the lizard you know like henchman attacks blacks um attacks john in the foggy alley and you have you know you having those it's really nice to have those like silent panels where it's just us seeing exactly what's going on and you know like a play-by-play i love and i love when you just let action scenes breathe in comics and we get that again with um whenever he whenever uh he's in his apartment after you know leaving the police station and he's again attacked by the the lizard henchman and then you know turns out there's a rat henchman right outside the window shoots the lizard and then the gun and as the his body's falling drops the gun john leaps out of the couch and grabs the gun and shoots the rat henchman and it's really cool yeah that was a good just, a very good sequence that was that was a fantastic scene and and again you, you bring up like the trope of like him live uh, like you know falling asleep next to a dead body but it's cool it just really works here yeah like the, the with the first issue especially and it gets less so i would say the third issue or third album pardon me um and my understanding of the later ones even more so like you get more into like the story being a reason for being there um the first one feels like this is a conveyance method for us to intake what is a really cool art style with like very very well done like like i said very painterly i'm not sure if it was actual paint or digitally um but like this very like well done color scheme that that doesn't fall back on the excuse of it being like it's noir so it's going to be black and white like it it's, has this lush muted but lush color scheme to it uh that is mm-hmm. just really like it's a visual treat and that first album from the way they stage fight scenes from the way they have like chases while people are walking through crowds trying to tail each other all of those sequences are things that you're like this is a visual treat for me and the the tropes are here so that we have structure to these visual treats that I'm experiencing uh, and as it as the world gets bigger and we meet more people and, and everything that starts to change and there becomes more reasons, but like the art is always a reason why you're here. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so again, since there was really not a whole lot to discuss with that first story again, with it being pretty generic, but still very good. Uh, let's move on to the second story, Arctic nation, which gets into some dicey territory. Yeah. <laughs> When this was published, this would have I, I would have been like, that makes sense, those old days when the Ku Klux Klan was a dangerous thing. And nowadays it feels a very different world. Yeah, where you're like, I mean, yeah, but uh yeah. They're, not, they're not wearing the robes anymore. They're just you know just going out there with signs and burning crosses now without the robes. Yeah, so I had some weird thoughts about this one just from a uh, I am a uh, 
I'm a continuity nut. It's even when I like try to pull back and be like, oh, continuity doesn't matter. It's, I still have to have like a hypertime ex- excuse in my head for being like, oh, continuity doesn't matter because hypertime allows for everything to be different. Wally's West Side can be green or blue depending on the time. Uh, like this one, they they set up this idea that like purity is white which is like okay fine and i like the idea that it's like this like um arctic cult kind of thing that they've got going on like their uh, yeah. their swastika is a snowflake um which yeah. has also have, different like, polar implications bears and white wolves yeah right yeah um it, so it's like all kind of interesting looking at it from the lens of like not americans in 2003 so it's like a very different kind of vibe from what we're talking about now in the like man the proud boys are fucking terrifying <laughs> like yeah also like also not but like the, the their existence is terrifying because it says terrible things about this world um mm-hmm. the weird part with animals uh especially because in the first one they set up that it was like oh yeah the the mammals don't like the lizards and vice versa and there's like all of that going on um with animals i kept thinking like aren't there like a lot of those creatures that have like white coats in the winter time and like dark coats in the summertime like isn't that like a thing like it just felt like a strange vehicle for it where it was like a little too exactly like our world for the world that they were giving us at that point yeah but then at the same time you know something that is discussed around this these stories is that you could and i think you and you mentioned it earlier where excuse me uh the it it doesn't really matter i mean it, no and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. really like, matter that they're animals it, it, at it all it doesn't really like, matter again, that they're animals it, it is just our world but with like the fun filter of animal stuff so it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter and the continuity of the previous one also doesn't really matter it was just like it just kept <laughs> nagging at me as i was like reading it i was like oh well yeah i guess like sure purity white okay yeah i, I, I get it all oh the white snow and that's like all the thing for them that's all cool but but like they're racist against dark furred animals. Like that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. But then, uh, but then you know, again, it's like you know, just think of them as humans. It is also animals. dumb. Yeah, like like yeah. like actual racism is dumb. Let alone like the the. I don't know. I just kept on being like, can't they just dye their fur? <laughs> <laughs> that honestly, that is something that that could come up. It does the the I'm, I'm, uh, the the Black Panthers equivalent that shows up at there at one point. They've got black ink that they try to put on animals to make their fur black. Oh well, yeah, because like um, in that scene, like weekly, he get you know there's the um, the Black Claws like three members of the Black Claws gang uh, confront Weekly and John in like a convenience store, and they shove Weekly like into into like a display and that display display happens to have like black oil so like uh it gets on to weekly and he he like rub take the 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 horse character takes a smudge off and he like attempts to go put it on john's face where he has the white and he's like you do that and i end you right at which point you find out that john has a gun up against his stomach it's a good scene it's like all of this is good stuff i'm not like i'm not bashing it yeah yeah i I know what you mean it's just like it's a weird takeaway but it's also true like the the thing it's commenting on is that it's all kind of dumb like all these sort of like racial divides anyway so that's also fine yeah it was just like it just like caught you know like how it 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 completely divides families and it makes people do awful awful things Mm -hmm. as evident by like the giant reveal of you know of everything at the end uh, right after uh corrupt's funeral yeah which was crazy yeah that's one where like the story is like icky man <laughs> yeah you're just like 
oh damn like so no one no one no one has their hands clean in this at all uh, no one no one does and it's like mm, mm, uh how spoily are we being right now <laughs> Uh well let's see we I mean I don't know how long we've been recording I mean we even before we kind of spoiled so. but like we also said that the story doesn't matter for the first part um the second part yeah. has more story stuff that matters so that's why I'm like yeah we've been talking for a while I think we can go ahead and get into spoiler territory. she marries his dad or her dad <laughs> it's weird it's really and he even points it out like John says like and you even push the insanity further by marrying him right yeah while and also he's checking out his other daughter her twin sister who has Ugh. like, yeah, it's so fucking weird. Like that's all, that's all so wrong. And I get it. Like Oedipus shit, like whatever, or, or Electra shit, whatever. Like it's not crazy when you think about it from the standpoint of like, well, he was pretty young when he had them. So he's then like a 50 something year old guy perving on some like 20 somethings. So like in, in the sense of like, well, I, when I say it's not that weird, I mean like it makes sense that he would still have a libido and like, I guess they were, but it's like, ah, ah, it's all it's so, so bad. It is so bad. I know. So, somehow. And that's the, why you're like, kind of glad you're dead. I'm somehow the hate crimes aren't the worst part of that story. And that's like not no. a thing that I like. I know the hate crimes are bad. Uh, we have a stance on comics quest. Hate crimes are bad. Yeah. I, I know it's Just controversial like, in this yeah. day and age, but I know for some reason, I, I mean, I don't really know why, but, uh, hate crimes they're bad. Yeah. And we shouldn't have a, we shouldn't have to have a discussion there, but hate crimes, bad. Uh, and somehow in this story, the hate crimes are the second worst thing. Yeah. In here. They're, they're second worst after the love crimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least like she like goes out of her way to be like, yeah, we never had sex, but it's like, how far, it's how weird. far away was that from happening? Like that could have been like, cause he's like, pining at one point he's like the the relations i've been denied and i'm like oh no (laughs) yeah yeah because like when on that first read you're like i mean okay yeah sure and then once the reveal happens you're like wait hold on a second all this time this whole time that's been going on what what no Mm -hmm. ew yeah also this is a terrible place to put it, so I might as well just put it here because, fuck, why not? Um, if if you're a furry, this is a good book for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are some it, very sexy yeah. cat and fox ladies that show up throughout this whole thing. It's it's there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, that's very true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, th- this isn't me. Like, I'm, put, I'm throwing it here just because the whole thing's like uncomfortable yeah so i might as well yeah. have like no, be more uncomfortable he, of course no, no shame on furry like whatever yeah <laughs> that's all good uh, absolutely not you look no king shaming here not, this is a king shame free zone none whatsoever like i am currently wearing a my little pony shirt like <laughs> it is weird. i noticed that earlier <laughs> fine world um i'm just it was yeah. an observation i made in the first chapter and then this is the chapter <laughs> where they made it weird <laughs> yes uh which again which all of that, all that ickiness to say, that doesn't take away, like, that's just an element of what makes the story so interesting. And overall, this is a very, this is still a very good story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Overall. Especially the finale gets really intense. And I, I really enjoy what's going on in this book in general. I the, the one thing I kind of wish I had more of was in the uh, the cover art 
has a lot of like Arctic snow stuff going on with it. Like, yeah, a, you, it, I wish there was more stuff going on. I, I wish there was more snow. <laughs> like it's like really make, really bring up that with like the whole, like we're Arctic animals built for this weather. Like that's the one thing I'm missing from that story. Yeah. And, and, and like even all the, you know, of course I mentioned earlier, like we were introduced to weekly who is like a muckraker uh, for a tabloid newspaper. And like, he mistakes John for a tabloid reporter and John, like it's very defensive and, and he's like there are two things that i didn't like about them but or yeah two things i didn't like you know one he missed making for a, a muckraker and two i don't like his smell yep because uh, <laughs> then you find out uh that he doesn't he doesn't take baths yeah <laughs> the name weekly is it's like oh you only change your underwear once a week <laughs> yeah yeah, um, I like Weekly though as a character. He's he's very archetypal for these kind of stories. Like he's he's Robin, like in the sense that like they introduced Robin so that Batman would have someone to talk to. Like once yeah. Weekly shows up, you don't need to have like the the overwhelming walls of text that are in the first one of just like mm-hmm. John's inner monologue. You can have someone he can talk to and have scenes kind of play off that way. Uh, and that's yeah. ultimately a thing that they do in every detective story. Like the Shadow had his cab driver. Um, like just wherever you're going to have, you need to have like someone who's like kind of a sidekick kind of character who can do some good. And in this case, he's a reporter with a camera so he can go off and do stuff. Like it's, it's good to have that kind of actually be helpful to a detective. Yeah. It's very helpful. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense and it's a fun kind of character. And when he first, when he popped up, I was like, Oh, it's good. Like we finally have our, our sidekick kind of character. I'm sure he'll show up again and, and love. (laughs) And lo and behold, there he is in red soul. Uh, yeah, Arctic Nation is uh, gets into some very uh, icky territory, yeah. but that does not detract from the fact that it is an emotionally gut-wrenching story with some genuine scenes of just terror mm-hmm. that I love. I, I, I love so much. I love uh, one of my favorite... Com- I love whenever John c- like confronts someone who's in power. It's really great because he really knows how to get under people's skin and one of my and I think my favorite in in these over these three stories is when he confronts old man Oates mill who's like this uh this like big white tiger uh who is like you know he like it's rumored that like he gave uh he was he was able to get uh corrupt uh, in the um also pointing out it's really weird that his name is corrupt like corrupt mm-hmm. uh <laughs> But, like, it's rumored that he got him, like, the job as the police commissioner in this city. Uh, but I love his, I love uh, John's, like, closing line. It's not so bad to, to mix, uh, to mix sometimes. Right, because he has a, what they imply is a heavily inbred child who, at the very least, has some birth defects going on. Uh, yeah. He's a little ableist, but at the same time is also, like, uh, I get, I get the point they're making, because they're trying to reference, like, yeah old European like, blood. Inbreeding like, is bad and it, yeah. it hurts people. <laughs> like so. Spanish monarchy level of bad. Yeah, and what do you know? Yeah. Uh, to, to Spanish people writing and making this comment. That's true. It was probably on their mind. So they... Yeah, absolutely. And, uh... But, so this that is That implies that that's thing. a thing in Spain. I'm not saying that. I was merely referencing... Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that happened in the past. Yes. Yes. Uh, but there's that... I'm pretty sure, like, he... I don't know what he does in that scene, but where uh, he catches the ball and I don't know, like, does he, 
if he like pops it or like he like he cuts himself somehow on it because it looks like he like when he pats Oldsmill's shoulder he like puts blood like he leaves a bloody paw print on his shoulder I'm not sure every time I read it I don't I, like I'm not completely sure about what happens in that like in that little moment uh, I can yeah, see I'm you're curious. looking looking it up I'm I'm looking for it now too oh it's um I think it's the clay because he like touches. Oh, like this is an older tennis, right, right, like right, an older right. indoor tennis court, and I think there's just dust on these like dirty walls. Right, right. Where is it? Nope, I missed it. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. Like it, it, it... Yeah, because he catches the ball and he get, he clearly gets dust on his hand, and then he touches because like the the. The guy is like in all white, in addition to being all white, um, and yeah, the, right, yeah, because yeah, because then you have that 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 little uh, onomatopoeia of puff, like like yep. the like the dust, like you know, getting shaken off of the ball. Okay, yeah, I just needed that explained to me for a second because every time I read that scene, I'm like, this is a great scene, and I love the the closing of. It. I just never quite understood that little that little addition to it, but now everything makes sense, mm-hmm. and now I love it more. This is a great story. So, uh, and actually one, so there is one character, um, I'm the, uh, who is introduced and, um, of course we're into spoilers, but he dies by the end of it. Cotton, uh, who I, I find that character really interesting in that he is this, uh, you know, I, I guess it's impl- I, I believe he mentions or it's implied that uh, he tried to fight during World War Two or World War One, and and he couldn't because of his blindness. And he makes the joke of like, you know, isn't that ironic? You know, a bird who can't fly. Yeah. And... Well, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's it's just funny that he says that because I, when he said that, I, I was like, oh, so they imply that birds can fly in this world, which is like. Starts to like <laughs> take it away from being humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think that was more about like you know in this world like you know most pilots are birds, so you know like it just makes it would just make sense that like oh you're a bird, there's a possibility you'll be a good pilot, but you know in in this sense like he's blind, so he can't fly. It's also just a fun joke. It made I know that he makes about he makes at his own expense. Because uh, I'm I'm glad he said it, and no one else did. Because that would have been a little, you know, at, you know that would have been ableist. But I mean, it, thankfully he was the one who made the joke, which I liked. Uh, and he just, I I like him as a character, and he's actually someone that I really that you could honestly see coming back more as just as like this, you know, this older person that you know maybe John like goes to visit sometimes. They become friends. Uh, but unfortunately he is murdered by Huck the ultimate asshole yeah ultimate asshole is the right term though because like uh there there's i, I mean aside from from John really and the like the little girl not even like anyone else well, and the teacher i guess there's no good people in this story well weekly weekly He's yeah okay. yeah yeah I, yeah. but so like psychic. of those four those four characters that's it yep 
everyone else sucks. Yeah, because even Cotton's <laughs> like kind of shitty. Just like redeems himself. Like he was end. like he uh like just you know because he was promised uh to go to Las you know Huck promised him that he would take him to Las Vegas. He was in on this kidnapping, uh which you then later find out it was like you know planned much more than you thought it was. Yep. Because yeah, Huck gets betrayed too, like you know, every, everyone's fucking over. His everyone. death is great. Unfortunately, you don't see it, but you—it's great. Where he just gets a screwdriver plunged into his brain. Yeah, but, and that's actually a really effective use of flashback too, because you see someone walking over to talk to him, holding a screwdriver, but you don't see the actual. Murder. And you're like, and you and you're like, ah, I know what's happening. Yep. It's that, yeah, it's the it's that perfect, you know, blend that perfect use of show don't tell. But, like, show, don't tell in a, in a very different way of, like, I'm just going to show you what did happen, but not exactly what happened. They just imply that it happened, which works to great effect in, in a number of stories, including this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I, I would say that's probably, like, that's all of my thoughts on Arctic Nation. It, it gets very icky by the end, but overall it's a fantastic story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, man... It's a good story. There is an incest plot. There is a good story. Like that's that's really all that we can talk about there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, it'll make you feel angry, uh, and it's it, and it is fun to sort of like um, remove yourself from the the literal nature of like systemic racism to have a conversation about it. I, I say fun's probably the wrong word, but like it's it mm-hmm. is a perspective, and you can sort of like look at it and try to dissect just how. Uh, how flawed it is as a concept and how oppressive it can be. Um, on the other hand, it also feels a little surface, uh, but yeah. it's still good. It's a it's a good book. Like, and it's appropriate for if you're going to do a story set in the nebulous post World War II era. Yeah, that's a good, a really good topic to to cover at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Because this take this does take place, I believe, during the 1950s. Yeah, like late fifties, early sixties, and that of course leads us directly into the third and final story we're talking about today: Red Soul, which mostly deals with the Red Scare and has a rooster by the name of Senator Gallo, who is obviously uh, Senator Joe McCarthy, um, a literal fucktard who decided that you know, like, held up a bunch of papers on television saying, "I have here a list of communists who work in you know." you know, uh, you know, film and television or whatever. Um, yeah, McCarthy was a piece of shit. Yep. Just right off the, just, just going to say that he's a piece of shit. Uh, Gallo is, a, or Gallo or Gallo, whatever his name is in this, um, uh, is a piece of shit. And, um, but you know, what is isn't a piece of shit. This story. No, this it's is great. This is some really fun twists and turns that don't, uh, have incest subplots that make you feel weird. Like it's a really, yes, this is, this is, it's a really yeah, good. This one. is definitely, my personal favorite of the three like it 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 builds upon those first two of having like you know the first one has uh you know it's like it's like a generic tropey story but with great art and writing and action scenes the second it has a really intriguing story um but it, it, it unfortunately does have the potential incest subplot part of it um with even better art and better writing and then you get to this story, which combines everything without the incest plot. It just, and also adds in, a, and, and, and instead of having an incest plot, it has 
a really fantastic potential love story. Yeah. Which is, or I guess what we would say, a, um, a star-crossed lover's story as, you know, spoilers, Alma and John don't get together, which sucks. Like, you want these two people to just be together so bad, and it don't happen. Yeah, it's way more fun. It was interesting to note that on my first, like, like the, the first couple pages into the actual plot of this album, um, I didn't pick up on a character supposed to be German, because obviously I'm just reading the words and I'm not hearing an accent. Uh, and then I was like, oh! Oh, are you talking oh, about um, Alma? Uh, not Alma, um, Lieber, the owl character. Oh, Lieber. The, yeah. Um, yeah, Otto Lieber. Right, well, yeah, but like, sure, sure, the name should have given it away, but I wasn't thinking about it, yeah. and then all of a sudden I was still like, oh! Right. Yes, this is right after World War Two. This matters. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be like, he's supposed to be kind of like Werner von Braun, I would say. Yeah, a uh, what is it, Operation Paperclip? Uh... Yeah, getting all of those. Uh, which, uh, quick little side note because I'm a big fan of this. Uh, there's a really great podcast by the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, called the Directors Chair in which um, when movies did come out during the theaters, remember when that happened? Uh, they would have um, directors uh, of those films coming out sit down with another director, usually a, a friend of theirs, and have a Q&A after a screening. And one of my favorites is of um, after a screening of Ad Astra, a movie I deeply love, there was a conversation between its director, James Gray, and uh, Damien Chazelle. And... In that discussion, there like James Gray talks about Operation Paperclip, and he's like, "The reason why we had a great space program is because we stole better Nazis." And then the audience laughs, and he's like, "No, I'm being serious. We just mm-hmm. stole better Nazis." <laughs> he's like, yep. "Yeah, we we did." And that's why we yeah. had a great space program. Yeah, it's a a weird part of U.S. history, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. U.S. history is uh, weird, man. But yeah, so that plays into it, and there's the whole Red Scare plot that goes along with it. Um, yeah, this is a much more fun uh, who's trying to kill whom, why are they trying to kill whom, what's going on here kind of uh, one that uh, you, you really want them to succeed. Not just like because it means saving someone, but it's like, oh, at, like John might find happiness somehow. That's That's crazy after all this time. Like, yeah, no, Normally like, he's you, just you spent two certain. stories with him, you know, like, really, like, starting to genuinely care about him because, you know, you understand, like, oh, he is someone who, you know, he tries to help people, you know, and, you know, with these people that he helps, you know, potentially find their happiness, but he himself is someone who hasn't yet found happiness, and then here, here along comes you know, a person who becomes a light in his life and he's like, wow, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, I can be happy and I can be happy with this woman. And then it gets stripped away from him and you're like, fuck! Really? Yep. And it sucks. It's not even like, it's not even a scenario where he had to like make the right choice. It was like just a byproduct of making the right choice that like separated him at the end. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely my favorite of the three um, it, it's the one where the story meshes the best with the art and both are really driving 
my interest at like to turn the page each time uh whereas i felt like mm-hmm. the first one was was like pretty much exclusively the art was like oh this is great and then the next one was like oh the story's like really getting there and the art but the art's like still kind of like the main driver for me this one is the one where mm-hmm. i was like oh, okay this is it's a more fun time to look at the world like we've got like <laughs> we've got all these like hippie intellectuals that are all gonna be rounded up and uh, blacklisted in hollywood soon uh yeah and we and we get some we get one of my favorite action scenes in this story where you know john is following lieber make like you know as he puts it being his guardian angel making sure nothing happens and then we get that you know we get that panel those panels where um the uh, the crocodile ribs who you find out is like a you know a hitman for hire he you know is trying to bomb his car and he's about to bomb it and you know john goes goes after him and pulls Otto out of the car and the car explodes and is this amazing panel of an explosion and then you have like you know ribs like walking away all slightly while everyone else is looking away and he you know dumps his uniform in, in a trash and you have that like the that panel where he's after he's dumped it and he's like in front of a department store and you like in the corner of the panel you have something like flying and then the next panel you have him look over and he's surprised you turn the page and boom john has like tackled him crashing through the front window and they start beating the crap out of each other and it's just it's fantastic and then right after that after ribs gets away you have john bloodied and bruised and broken and he walks up to to commissioner smirnoff and says tell dorothy that i accept her invitation (laughs) (laughs) it's a fantastic little one-liner yeah and that that's the one that really made me like smirnoff like i liked him more like the, the like the twist really of the of the first issue is that smirnoff is like actually an okay guy that he's yeah. like willing to like let john or like willing to protect john if john is going to do the right thing um it, and then this is the one though where like he actually is like really participating and it feels really good and you like that dinner scene you don't get a lot of time of them actually having dinner like it's mostly them like kind of like hanging out afterwards uh but you really kind of feel that like they all really enjoy being in the room together at that moment yeah uh which is hard to convey in a comic like it not every it's it's difficult to have charisma be conveyed (laughs) uh by your, your by your characters uh, one thing that would really help is when you have a character, you have uh, your character John, uh, who almost never smiles, and in this scene he almost exclusively smiles. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> I like seeing John happy. Whenever he smiles, he just he's got a great smile. You just like seeing him happy. Yeah, well, it's that, that that white tuft. It's so expressive when his when his lips move. <laughs> I know it's 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 perfect. It's yeah. just. It's great. I love it's it. Perfect. Actually, going back to... Ah, yes. yes. We love we need... puns on this show. We needed a cat pun. Like... Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. If we're going to do the cat pun, we got to do it right. We got to do it Eartha Kitt style and go, it's perfect. <laughs> on I... this podcast, we stand the 1960s Batman television show. I, I got was... I got to give you my hats off to you. That was a much better delivery uh, between my <laughs> former and your litter. That's the best. <laughs> well, hey, just just let me know if you ever just like need a recording of that for any of your shows. Just let me know. I will send I'll just like record that and I'll just send it to you so you can just drop it an episode. 
I'll let you. I can. You, you can have that for free. Uh, but it re, it reminds me of like going back to that very first story, and I think like the first time we actually see John smile is when he uh, is questioning the uh, the maid when he breaks into Leon Leon's uh, apartment, and like he just holds up his keys, acting like they're Leon's keys, and he smiles because he's like, oh, I can. I can get by her if I smile and, and act and act cute. Yep. And he does. He, you know. he actually, it, it works very well in that scene, but that's a very fake smile. This is a very genuine smile. And the fact that you can tell yeah, the difference. It's, it's nice to have, it's nice. it's nice to have that genuine smile. Like even like right at the beginning of this story, we, uh, when he gets the pamphlet for, uh, to go to Lieber's, um, speech, you know, that there's that genuine smile. I'm like, Oh, Hey, this is the, you know an old friend you know like my mentor from years ago I, I I can see him you know he's I can see him again he's in town which is nice yeah also uh what's his Gottfield uh <laughs> fucking Gottfield so I always get stuck on this panel because it's it's so perfect after like after uh like Gottfield has like closed out Lieber's speech. And Black says, like, narration is stating, like, you know, there are things that, you know, you could describe Gottfield as, you know, young, handsome, rich, and, you know, uh, you know a communist. After that, I could have uh, given him one more label. And I have this panel of Gottfield with this big shit-eating grin. And it just says, asshole. Yeah. It's so perfect. It's just, it's so perfect. Uh, he feels very Ronald Reagan to me as like this like sellout kind of yeah. Uh, I don't think it lines up specifically in terms of like career choices, like. But no, it, but you're right. It, yeah. it it definitely works in that sense. I'm trying to think of of other like like Hollywood like like especially like a Hollywood sellout, someone who who like sold out everyone because like I know um what uh Elia Kazan director the director he he like actually did testify and he like destroyed people's careers right well i mean that's but why my head went like, to reagan when he was the yeah because reagan was a very charismatic and he like sold out like so many people and then like screwed over his own union yeah and then he became president yep yep sorry for Fuck all you ronald reagan, reagan fans out there by the way i'm <laughs> I'm not sorry. Fuck Ronald Reagan. I'm just going to say it. Um, although I will say he did, uh, one of the few good things he did was he raised, uh, the taxes of the rich 11 times during president, during his presidency. So, uh, Ronald Reagan, welcome to the resistance. Mm, not going to put that one on him. No, that was, uh, that's actually a reference to, um, when Car- when uh, Carlos, I believe his name is Carlos Maza, when he used to work for Vox, uh, that was something that got mentioned in one of the videos he did. Yeah. Uh, he no longer works for Vox, but go check out uh, Carlos Maza on his YouTube channel. His stuff is great. Uh, especially if you're, uh, as Green Arrow says, an old lefty like me. <laughs> uh, which actually reminds me, um, when I was reading uh, Red Soul this time around, um, a story that popped in my head because I'm actually currently going through yet another rewatch of Justice League is it reminded me of the three-part finale, Starcrossed, in which, you know, over the course of the show, we've gotten, like, hints of Shaira and Jon Stewart, Hawker and Green Lantern, 
possibly, you know, having relation, possibly having feelings with each for each other, and then it's officially confirmed at the end of Wild Cards Part Two when they finally kiss, and I cheer and I'm happy for them because they're great people. And then we get the Christmas episode, Comfort and Joy, and they like spend a lot of time with each other. And then Starcrossed happens, and everything goes to shit. And Shaira like has this difficult choice to make of, you know, I have, you know, like having to choose between, you know, my my love for these people that um for these people that I've become who have become my family, and especially my love for this man. Um, while also having this semblance of duty for my people, and she ultimately, and, you know, she kind of goes half and half, uh, and then she ultimately leaves the Justice League, and we're left with like this bittersweet ending where, you know, they, you know, Shire and John still love each other, but they've decided that they have to go their separate ways, you know, just that bittersweetness of like spending time with these characters and understanding like where like where their relationship could go and the fact that they could find happiness and then it's ripped away from them by circumstances that eh, aren't totally beyond their control but in 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 a sense are kind of beyond their control that happens here in that you know there are circumstances that are beyond John and Alma's control and because and because of that you have like Alma in a way you could almost say like left at the altar quote unquote um like left you know in Niagara Falls and John because he was you know, stuck in prison for two weeks meant that he had to miss that appointment with her and you know he tried to con- he you know keeps trying to contact her but because of everything that happened you know she's now like you know gone in the wind Dis- she's disappeared and he can't find her again and it just it just leaves you with this like bitter this like bitter feeling by the end where it's like you know everyone's okay but you know, you just wish that things had gone much differently than they had. Yeah. It's a great story. And I, it, I just, I just want my sweet baby John to find happiness. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, that's not what happens so, here. Uh, yeah. Nope. Not here. Uh, so, uh, that, I feel like that kind of wraps up the talk about these comics. Um, of course I mentioned earlier in the episode, there are, uh, two more stories, um, the next one is called A Silent Hell. It takes place in New Orleans where he, um, like, and a lot of the story has to deal with um, someone who's suffering from addiction. And it's like a real, it's a really dark, uh, from what I can, can tell, it's like a very dark story where John kind of hits his lowest point. And then coming out of that story is the fifth one, Amarillo, where he, uh, if, I remember, if I remember correctly, like, after that story, like, he, uh, he's kind of like built his life back up and he's now been asked by someone to drive a car from New Orleans to another city and on the way there the car gets stolen and because and then like him having to go find the car then leads him down you know a big rabbit hole because it's noir that's what happens in the genre so I'm I'm not having not read them yet. I can't say for sure that you should read them, but I could definitely say for sure everyone should definitely read these three stories which are collected in one volume. They're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, very like again, it's just a visual treat. Like it's hard for us to like really go too deep into it without being like 
man, doesn't it just look good? Like, the whole, like, yeah, the artistry exactly. is so... At the on, end of the day, it's just... Like, up front right there. Like, it, it, it's worth it just to appreciate that side of it. And then then you get into, like, actually really good noir stories um, as it builds builds up steam. Um, so, yeah, thank you for introducing me to this book because I had no idea about it at all until you and I were talking about a month and a half ago. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, the thing is, I am, I feel like, uh, out of all the people that I know, I am the number one Black Sad fan, so anytime that I can get someone to read this comic, I am extremely, I'm just extremely delighted by it, because it's, it's some, it's just one that, you know, it gets, it has a ton of critical acclaim, and it, and it does, and it's extremely popular, it's just it's not one that everyone talks about, and I think it's it's honestly one of those comics that I like to point to, and it's like, see, this is what this is the potential you have in this medium. This is what you can do here. Isn't that isn't that fucking cool? And, and you know, I've you know it's you know there aren't a lot of comics that I you know, there there are a ton of comics that I can say that about, but I feel like this is one of the ones where like this is top tier. Look at how cool you the, you know how, look at how cool this is look at how cool comics are yeah and like i mean when this first came out this is from an era when like digital digital art had started to not just be a gimmick like that it, in the 90s i feel like there was a lot of like oh look we can put a gradient on a thing how cool is that um and and this is an era where like people are really like had moved on to actually drawing things on tablets and um being able to do kinds of trickery that was all new and there are a lot of books that came out around this time um maybe maybe a little bit earlier the first one comes out in 2000 so uh, uh, kind of contemporary but i'm thinking mm-hmm. of things like uh like uh red star uh where it's like yeah like the the story is dumb but it's here so you look at the picture and like isn't that a cool picture <laughs> um this has yeah. that element but the story isn't dumb like the worst you can say is that the first one is a bit more generic, but then, like I said, it just keeps on picking up steam and getting better and better. Uh, and it really showcases how like the two things can really intermesh to be a really solid thing. And, and by intermesh, it's not just the pencils. It's like a full, the full artistry of it uh, with then the actual storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And something I, I've mentioned to you, of course, uh, which was honest. Well, I feel like was a big selling point as well when it came to the art. But something I wanted to mention here is that Gornito, actually both, uh, or I know, well, Gornito and Diaz Canales both worked in animation, and Gornito he used to work in the uh, in the French division of Walt Disney Studios. He was an animator for Disney. Yeah, he was on. Tarzan. You know, he worked on. Yeah, he was the he was the lead designer for Sabor in Tarzan. He was the lead designer for Hades and Hercules, uh, and and even before that, he was doing background animation for a Goofy movie in Hunchback of Notre Dame. As we all know, Case here is like number one a Goofy movie fan. Go- goofy movie and Tarzan uh, are two I, of my like soft spots right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. there you go. And of course, it's like here, here's a comic that's like drawn by the guy who by a guy who worked on those two. Yeah, there and of course, go. it's the one who designed um, the big cat that's in Tarzan that does the big cat comic book about detectives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty fucking great. Yep. Uh, which I feel like talking about animated movies that then leads into my whole thing of 
why don't we have a fucking black sad movie yet? We should. It, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, so uh, looking into it, it does appear that they were working on a seventh chapter uh, of the series, which has not come out yet. Um or maybe sixth chapter. I don't know. There's there's more that has been in development hell. In addition to that, there's yeah. a tabletop RPG, and there is the video game that uh, doesn't look that bad, but um, also doesn't look um, cell shaded in the same way. You don't get the the sort of like painter aspect to it. It's more of a like yeah. The um the, the from what I've been told, like the world it's like the world itself. The tone is pretty in keeping with uh with the stories that that are written for in the comics. But the game mostly suffers from a lot of bugs mm. that they haven't fixed yet. So that's why a lot of people aren't like too keen on the game. Also, there are people who just haven't read the stories, aren't familiar with the characters and, and don't understand that like, no, yeah, they're anthropomorphic animals, but this are still serious stories and they have a serious tone to them. Yeah. Um, so I, whenever they see anthropomorphic animals, they it doesn't click for them. Right, which you'd think we'd be past at this point. Like, anyone who's, like, kind of familiar with... Like I said, like, my, my first go-to when when you explained it was, like, oh, it's it's for noir what Usagi Yojimbo was for samurai stuff. Like, you can do funny animals and yeah. still have a serious story. But I think, ultimately, the big reason why it hasn't had, a, an, like, an animated series that we are familiar with is that it's just... It's more popular overseas. Like... That is true. Yeah, it just hasn't but, found its American audience yet. Unfortunately, I mean, it's there. That is it true. exists, um, but but it's a dark horse yeah, yeah, comic. Absolutely, like it's, like it's just not nearly yeah, as popular. It is, yeah, um, yeah. The reason I found out about it was um, a YouTuber that I will continue to bring up here because he makes great videos, especially on comics. Is uh, Matt Draper like one of his like one of his like first five or ten videos was on Black Sad, and he talked about he actually talked about all five stories. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I, 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 I had like just saw that he did a video and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. What is it looking like? This sounds so cool. Why don't I have it? And why am I not reading it right now? So of course, like I just so happened to like a couple of days later, uh, go to my local comic book shop and lo and behold, there is one copy of the, of the, the black sad three story collection. And I'm like, well, I don't care how much money I have. I'm buying that right now because I want it. And, uh, and then it became one of my favorite things. So now I do know, um, I think it was back in like 2006 or 2007. They, uh, Louis Leterrier, AKA the director of transporter and the incredible Hulk. And now you see me, uh, was in talks to direct a black sad movie which never got, uh, which never got the ball rolling too much. And then uh, Alexandre Aja, who directed um, The Hills Have Eyes and Piranha and uh, Mirrors, and recently directed Crawl, was also trying to get a movie made, um, but nothing's come out of that yet. Which here's the thing: if you're gonna make a black sad movie, there are a couple things you have to do. Number one, it has to be traditional hand-drawn animation. There's no substitutes. You can't... No, I wouldn't even... Like, I, I can't even... I wouldn't... Like, if you go to the animation department, there should not be a computer in sight. That's a little... I'm being a little hyperbolic there, but that's, like, the... the like, the, uh, the... 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 Mindset that I feel like the... The animation department should have, where it should be 
you know, like back to basics animation. Um, and also because, you know, Guarnido used to work in animation, just make him, you know, either the lead animator or make him the head of the animation department. Um, have Diaz Canales write the script because it would be great. Um, and he's also worked in animation as well. Uh, you get Peter Ramsey to direct it, who was he was the writer and director on Rise of the Guardians and one of the directors of Into the Spider-Verse. Just get him to direct it. He loves, you know, noir detective stories. He's talked about it a lot. Have him direct it. And I think I've mentioned before, like, you cast John David Washington, um, who would be great. Or, as I also thought about today, you cast Mahershala Ali. He'd be a great John Black said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, even just, like, looking at the the first three, you could easily, like, string that together into one coherent plot if you had to. Um, yeah. I personally would like to just see um, maybe even, like, a story that takes place before Somewhere Within the Shadows. Like, I would rather, I would rather like, you know, we, us having all of these stories already, like, I would rather see a story that hasn't been told yet. Oh, like his tales with the, his lover from the first one? Yeah, that or like kind of in, you know in between because it's it's not really clear like when he and Natalia broke up. So you could do something like like you know there well there their breakup could be part most... of the arc. Like you could do some fun stuff with it. Like, yeah, and then yeah, like, and have you could that, have like specter you, you could of have death like, that's coming. Yeah, you could have like you know, you know him like in the beginning talking about oh yeah I just broke up with my girlfriend like you know like right before the story started right but then have her still be a, have like a character that pops up throughout so be like his ex and like be like are they gonna yeah. get back together like maybe she still has feelings for him cut to the first issue she's dead on the on a bed <laughs> yeah and then and that's the end of the movie <laughs> yeah something to that effect i mean it's seriously like seriously uh i mean dark horse i don't know who dark horse has like movie connections with i think it's I mean, they did the Hellboy movies, Legend. so... The, uh, yeah, yeah. Lion, Lionsgate. Lionsgate has done, like, some of the... They, they did the, the the Hellboy movies. So Lionsgate, just get to, get an animation department together and hire me as your producer. I will get everyone to work on this thing uh, because I am very persuasive. Uh, Case can tell you, I persuaded him to, to read this comic. So I'm very persuasive. Yeah, ooh, I'm not yeah, joking he, at all. He twisted my arm so hard; it, it was so painful. <laughs> so painful, uh, like that one panel in Red Soul. <laughs> Boom! Got it. All right. Um, I, I, but I do feel like we've we've hit the nail. If you haven't read this book and you listen to this whole episode, what the hell are you doing? And you haven't read it. What are you doing? It's amazing. It, it's it's so 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 good. But uh, if, if you had, you know what we're talking about. Like, it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, and if you're like me and you haven't read the next two stories, um, I'm gonna say you should probably go ahead and read those too. I'm I'm certainly going to be picking up picking them up in the near future because uh, rereading this, I was introduced once again to you know John Blacksad, who has become one of my favorite characters in all of fiction. So. Read the read this comic, people. It's so 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 good. Yeah, um, but I but as Case pointed out, like we've pretty much, you know, just talked to death about this already. So I think we're we're at the end of the episode. Um, so that means uh, it's plugs time. Case, what are your plugs? What do you got going on? 
well, so as, as you mentioned at the top, I host three podcasts, uh, one of which is Men of Steel, which is a Superman appreciation show. Uh, we are done with our, our run of doing Wonder Woman material now that 84 has come out. Um, and we had thoughts and feelings, and you can check all of those out. But we're we're having a lot of fun. We just did an episode on Superman 3. We, we're, uh, we're doing pop quizzes where... My co-host J. Mike Falson tries to uh, stump me on stuff. And uh, spoiler alert: if you if if you pick a random character who only appeared in six issues of a comic ten years ago, I probably don't know who it is. <laughs> and I said ten years ago, and I just realized, like, nope, nope, back up. Twenty-seven years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that happens. I also host another pass, which is a movie analysis podcast um, where we talk about movies that either we we loved in spite of their flaws or we wanted to love, but the flaws got in the way. Uh, and we are coming up on episode 100. In fact, uh, from when we're recording, that is dropping next week, uh, which is a, uh, a big fun moment where I, I get to uh, discuss with some friends, a, a, a work that meant a lot to me. Um, and then scruffy nerf herders is a star Wars RPG podcast. I've been running the current arc is uh, with guest hosts from the Bounty Buddies podcast, uh, which is Geekly Inc.'s uh, recap show for The Mandalorian. Uh, that's uh, Pat Edwards, Tim Lanning's... Uh, pardon me. That's Pat Edwards, Tim Lanning, and Jane Ritt. They are awesome people. We had a really fun story set during the Clone Wars for this one. Um, and that, uh, we've been doing a lot of, like, mini arcs. So, like, the first 50 episodes was one big story, and then since then, it's all been like, here's a three-parter with this group, and then here's a two-parter over here. So it's, like, it's been really good for people to jump on to. So check that out. It's a lot of fun. Um, that's all over at CertainPOV.com. But in addition to those shows, over at CertainPOV.com, guess what you can find? What can I find... I, I think Case. It's a, I, I think it's a little show called Comics Quest. <laughs> oh shit, that's totally right. As you may have heard from uh, last week's episode, uh, at the end of that episode, Comics Quest joined certain POV. I know, holy shit! Like Case asked me, and I was like, uh, "What am I gonna say? No, of course. Uh, yeah, Comics Quest is now a part of certain POV." Um, and I guess that leads directly into uh, where you can find this show. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to follow this show uh, on Twitter, we are at Comics Quest Show. If uh, you know, if you want to find you know us anywhere else, we are on CertainPOV.com because we're now a part of that wonderful network uh, filled with wonderful shows made by wonderful people. Uh, if you want to. Uh, Hold on. Let me start over. Thank you very much to the person who uh, composed the wonderful theme song, Dan Purcell. If you want to find him, you can find his music pretty much everywhere you, you can listen to music. Uh, he's got some really great things coming this year, so please check him out. He's wonderful. And if you want to follow him on both Twitter and Instagram, he is at the Dan Purcell. Uh, and also... Um, as I guess it's become common now, whenever my friend Paresh Maharaj from uh, Busted Limes is on, I guess we now just do a playlist for whatever episode he's on. So um, there are two playlists out now for the Murder Falcon episode. There's a playlist called Metal Destroys All Evil. And for our Extremity episode, there is a playlist just called Extremity. And you can find both of those on Spotify. Um, they just have art from the comic and they're made by me. And, uh, you know, 
they're fun. You know, the metal, the, you know, please listen to the metal, Dest- metal destroys all playlist. It's just eight and a half hours of pure bludgeoning metal. And it's really fun. Um, so with that out of the way, uh, you know, thank you case for coming back to the show to talk this wonderful comic. And, uh, also thank you for, uh, allowing this dumb little show to be a part of your wonderful network. Uh, allowing is, is too strong because I, I, I broached the topic to the other host and they're like, fuck yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, we, we are don't so, know why. I really don't know why we are so happy to have you on board, man. Like our network has, uh, has never been stronger and, uh, you're, you're definitely a big contribution to that. And that just warms my, my, my little heart to hear. Um, but that's, uh, that's, that's the end of this and that's the end of this so i can't we really need to end this because i can't speak anymore (laughs) thank you uh for listening that's the end of the episode and i hope you have a wonderful day bye CertainPOV.com Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our Circle of Friendship, where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives! Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... 